Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff, really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail so that way you can say, does this apply to me and how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. All right, so welcome to our interview of the week. Uh, this week, we have another special guest, Will. He has done something that I, I personally haven't seen. I've seen people pay back their loans extremely aggressive, but what Will did is unique. And what I mean by that is not only did he pay it back aggressively, but he paid it back in one year and it was $80,000. And so his story, it, it, that dollar amount of repaying in one year relative to what his income in a profession is, which he's a PT, we haven't seen before. So I wanted to reach out to Will and be like, when I heard, you know, he paid it off in 11 months, like, look, we got to get you on an interview with you, see what ideas you had, see what you did. So he decided to come on. Will, thanks for coming on. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. Yep. So, you know, like I mentioned, you pay back $80,000 in 11 months. Before we go into the hows you did that and all that type of stuff and some of the different things you looked into, um, just go a little bit into your background from undergrad, you know, what led you go into PT school and all, all that stuff, what schools, why did you choose the schools that you went to and all that type of stuff? Um, so I'm, in high school, I was into sports and got into some training and lifting and all sorts of stuff and got pretty in touch with my body and uh, figured I wanted to do something along the lines of healthcare, helping people sound great. Um, and then PT fell in that realm of, you know, knowing the musculoskeletal system, helping people, uh, did some shadowing in high school and felt like that was the right career path for me. Um, I ended up looking at a bunch of schools that were strictly for physical therapy and at the very last minute decided, no, if I want to do physical therapy, it's going to happen. Let's go somewhere and enjoy my uh, undergrad. So I went to the University of Arizona, um, studied physiology there, um, played lacrosse while I was there. I uh, graduated, took a year off, did some, did some shadowing and some working, applied, ended up going to Rutgers South, um, and then finished up Rutgers South about a year ago and decided to stay in New Jersey. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, my uh, my New Jersey story. We uh, I went to the the annual conference <laughs> uh, last year, and then I was driving. I was actually at George Washington the night before, so I was driving to New Jersey, and I don't know where I ended up. It was like three hours in the middle of nowhere. Like the GPS was just like, oh, turn right here, and all of a sudden I'm on a dirt road. I'm like, where am I? It's like one o'clock in the morning, pitch dark. But yeah, that's uh that's my New Jersey experience uh, today. But well, good stuff, good stuff. Um, you brought up sports. 
Okay. Uh, and oftentimes, like I've been interviewed in on different podcasts and stuff about some of the technology we do, because when you're filling out your profile on Fitbox, some of the questions we call them merit questions. And it ranges everything from like, do you run marathons? Do you volunteer like church activities, all these different things. One of them is sports. And the reason why we, we ask those questions is the statistical data that we have, when you have done those things, they develop certain skills that then translate like in school and also in jobs and financial strategies, repayment, all that type of stuff. You know, just from a high level, when you look back from your lacrosse days, your hockey days, if you had to name like one, maybe two things that you took from sports that you applied, not just to repaying your loans, but maybe to, to, to work and everything else, you know, what is it? How has it helped? Um, and, you know, you just how did it help in general? Sure. Um, I mean, the first thing with sports, you know, everyone tells you growing up is time management. Uh, which is definitely a big part of it. But uh, alongside with time management is just being able to handle a lot um, more than you think you can handle. And while managing your time is a big part of that, it's, it's being able to, you know, go, go, go for 12 to 16 hours in a day and then wake up and do it again the next day. And that's not for everyone. And um, sports aren't for everyone. And I think once you take on the sports role in a, in a setting where your team needs you and, and you need to push yourself, you start developing those traits that, as you said, carry over to life and can help with success throughout your career path. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. I was joking around with my wife. She said something about character me the other day, and you'll appreciate this. Anybody that has played ice hockey will appreciate this. I said, babe, when, when you wake up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning and you get to the rink and your gear's still wet from the day before, it, it builds some character, right? So, <laughs> and she's like, oh, God, that's disgusting. It's like, well, when you're staying in hotel rooms in between games and stuff, you can't really air out your equipment because everybody in the hotel complains. So, for those of you that, that have never played ice hockey or don't know anything about that, don't worry about it. But just a little inside ice hockey joke on that one. Um, after you graduated and you're looking at your debt, um, your student loan debt, I mean, we ask people all the time, how do you feel about it? And some of them are like, oh, I can conquer this. Some are anxious. Some are like, Oh my God, what do I do? You know, when you got that bill and you looked at, at how much you owed, um, again, it was about $80,000. You know, what were your first thoughts? How did you say, okay, what do I got to do? How did you start putting together your, your process of what you wanted to do with repayment? Um, well, I was looking at $900 a month for the next 25 years, which to me felt crippling. Um, it just seemed like I'm going to be paying this off when, I'm, when I have kids, yeah. which doesn't, I, I know every, everyone does it. Uh, um, it just didn't seem something I, like something I wanted to do. Um, and I, I've, I've told a couple of people this and they've said, you're crazy for thinking like that. You can't think like that. It's, it is sort of like reverse psychology, literally in the sense that, um, you know, my loans were about 6% and I viewed like every dollar I made and put towards my loans immediately. I was making 6% more which again not how it works but that was my viewpoint so it was like if i can make more money now and put that money away and never look at it it's an immediate return on investment 
and that's how it started. And then um, more and more work picked up and it sort of seemed more feasible. And then it, at, at some point I was like, let's just go for it and be done. Yep. Yeah. And, and that 6%, that's actually a really good mindset to have. Um, and a lot of you listening to this, if you're trying to think of this thing, that's actually a really, really good way of thinking about it. Um, and I often have like two things that I say on that. And some of you guys might have heard or seen quotes like the Fitbox Finance Group before, like just quotes of this um, along the lines of something like, you know, oh, every dollar that you have, somebody's making money on it. It's either you or somebody else. So like Will's pointed out, <laughs> either somebody's making 6% on that money or if he pays it off, in essence, he's putting 6% in his pocket because he doesn't have to pay that person anymore. Okay, so that, that's a choice. Um, the other thing that, you know, a lot of people relate money to is compounding interest. And that's why we hear that a lot on investments, right? Like I want to put money in the bank and, or whatever and earn interest because it compounds. But when it comes to loans, there is compounding in loans as well. It's just your lender, it's compounding for them at that 6% rate. Because as long as, as long as you have that loan, they're reinvesting and getting that money and reinvesting it at that 6%. And you're losing that 6%. So what that means is basically compounding interest when you have have your own loans is working for or when you have your own investments is working for you but with debt that's the opposite it's actually working for somebody else not you so will i mean that's an awesome mindset to have and you know just to realize like hey look someone's making six percent off this it can be me or it can be them you know that's a, a great way to go about it so and now you know that of course the 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 big big story as i mentioned eighty thousand dollars in a year you know, for us, you know, our typical PT, for example, on our platform makes $78,000 a year. Okay. So for me, when I hear someone say, I'm going to pay this back in a year and I owe $80,000, I'm like, okay, we're, we're going we're to help you do that. But really, realistically, it might be a year and a half or two years. Okay. But Will emailed us back. was like, yeah, I paid it off in 11 months. I was like, holy shit. Like, awesome. Will, how'd you do it? Um, well, hard work is the short answer. Um, <laughs> worked a, a few jobs. So my, my main job is in an outpatient clinic. Um, and I'll get into the, uh, compensation of that, which is a big part of this in a little bit. But, um, outside of that, you know, I got, I got, um, permission from my, my manager, my company to work in other settings in the area. Um, so I also worked at an acute inpatient um, neurologic rehab hospital, which I really enjoyed, was doing per diem on the weekends. Um, I also did some, some personal training in a studio locally as well on the weekends and before and after work. And then um, while I was in school, I got my LSVT certification, which is a Parkinson's rehab program. Um, and I was doing that on my own on the side as well. Um, so really just kind of spreading myself out, working on the weekends, working before, after work um, regularly. Uh, you know, 50-hour weeks were, were the average. There were 60s, there were 65s. Um, again, once, uh, once I kind of saw it was in sight, I, I got hungry. And, you know, you, you can push some things off in your life and, and work hard for a little bit if it's going to be rewarding enough. 
And uh, now I am kind of dialing it back and sort of enjoying some of the things that I, <laughs> I might have missed out on. Uh, not to say that I didn't have my fun. Um, and then the other big component is uh, the outpatient uh, company that I work for. Their compensation is uh, RVU, which is a um, rate valued unit. So you are compensated for the units that you bill out. So essentially, the more people you see, the more money you make. Now, it's not crazy. I'm, I'm not booking up my schedule like five patients at a time. I'm seeing on average less than all of my colleagues that are in outpatient. Um, it's just you have control of what you want to do. So they ask you to see about nine patients a day, which is in our profession, extremely reasonable. And everything over that is more money. Um, and it, it, the money is, was, is great. Uh, but what it did for like my mental health is a whole nother thing that I, I feel like I need to touch on um, because my last job, well, I was a student and um, you know, your, your manager would come and say, Hey, you're double booked. You're going to have to treat while you're doing an eval or, Hey, you're going to have to see three patients at 8am and you have no control over that and you're not compensated for it and you're not, it, there's no, uh, there's no real reward to it. And that it can mess with your psyche. I mean, that's, it's frustrating if you can feel overworked, overwhelmed. And now I'm in a position where, um, you know, if an, if an aide comes up to me and says, Hey, someone wants to come in at six, do you think you can double book? And instead of being frustrated or, or feeling overworked, I'm like, no, I, I can do that. Like, it's going to be fine. This person's independent in their exercise program. Like, give me more work. I can, I can handle that. And then when I'm done with it, you feel good about it versus feeling like somebody else is taking advantage of you. Yep. Um, so I, it, I got lucky in the position I'm in um, with the RVU system. I, I think I would advise to any PTs listening, if you could find a system like that near you and make sure it's legitimate, that that's something you should explore because um, it really changed my mentality going to work every day. I, I don't, I have not felt overworked while I am overworking myself. Yeah, and, and it's a big difference when you choose to do it. Correct. I mean, I can relate to that, too. I mean, before I started Fitbooks, you know, I was in investment banking working 16 to 17 hours a day. And I don't know if you guys know anybody in finance, but it, it's just like grind after grind. You finish, you finish one job, and there's no time to celebrate. It's on to the next. And it's just constant. And, you know, now, now with Fitbooks, I mean, it's not – uncommon for 15 to 18 hours a day that's typically what i, I average but to me it's it's not work because it's what i choose to do and like you said the mental health side of it completely changes when it's you are in that power of what you want to do and like you said you're only seeing about nine patients a day i mean my wife she sees 13 patients a day in outpatient right and they're not compensated by seeing more or less um and it's dictated to that and it's just like, you know, I look at some of her colleagues, especially the new grads, and they're just, their heads are exploding. And I hear it every day on the phones about I'm burning out because of blah, 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 blah. 
So, Will, you know, thanks for sharing that because that's something that is huge. And, and new grads, students, they could really take, take away that information and try to really start looking at, okay, well, where, what is my career? And if you're watching this, one of the big things that I see a lot, especially from new grads, is they're doing that to themselves and they think it's normal. Mm-hmm. They don't think there's any other way because this is the first thing that they, their first job out of school, they don't think is any other, other way that there could be. So there could definitely be other ways. And, you know, if you see that happen to yourself, that you're getting burnt out and stuff, you know, really take a step back and say, is there something else that, that I can do and start looking into those alternative options? So thanks again. You know, thanks, Will, for sharing that. Now, on the student loans, okay, one of the big things that we get is refinancing, refinancing, refinancing. And the reason being is because in the student loan industry, that's like huge business on the private side of the world. So all these advertisers are just dumping stuff down your throat for PTs. It's something like Laura road because of their partnership with the APTA. Okay. You know, same as with dentists, same with doctors, they get stuff from Laura road. So if I common bond, it's like, it's like, what the hell did I do? And statistically we only, uh, through our service, we only refinance about 40% of the people that come to us. Okay. Most of the 60%, we, we tell them it's not worth it or whatever it is. Will's actually a good example of, he didn't refinance. So, you know, Will, tell us what you did, you know, looking into refinancing, give us a little bit about why you decided that you didn't want to refinance. Uh, so I definitely did my research on it and looked into most of those companies you just mentioned, um, consulted uh, some colleagues that have gone down that road, uh, spoke with you guys who you guys gave me some great advice. And um, while refinancing would have, you know, lowered my interest rate. Um, my end goal was to be done with my loans in under two years. And I, there's, that probably would have saved me I ballpark, maybe 500 max a thousand if it took me two years. Um, and I didn't think it was worth it again, cause I was going to pay it off so aggressively to, you know, eight, 10% total. Um, to to give up um the luxuries or the the leniencies that come with actually maintaining your loan through the federal government if that makes any sense mm-hmm. sure you can speak more to it oh yeah so what what will's referring to actually we like for those of you that have signed up you've seen this in our course that we just launched about we have an entire video saying like manage your risk and returns will be there will's scenario exactly exemplifies that what i mean by that so his normal loan repayment term is going to be 10 years okay that's this quote unquote standard like you said earlier if he extended out to nine uh, 25 years it would have been 900 a month okay so when you make prepayments when will was saying look i'm gonna pay extra those prepayments save him like 20 to twenty-two thousand dollars versus if he would have took him 10 years to pay the loan off okay the refinance was going to save about 500. So the prepayments were the most important piece in his scenario. Okay. And he looked at that $500 and said, that is my benefit if I refinance. And here's my plan is to save $20,000 by prepaying. But what happens if that plan doesn't come true? What happens if something happens to me health-wise? What happens if I can't make that high monthly payment, but I've just been obligated to it? Now I've, I've backed myself into the corner. And we see this all the time with the student loan refinancing. 
people call us all the time. I went into a five-year loan because I, I, it was the lowest interest rate. And now I need to get out of it because I just can't afford to do it. Like whatever happened, happened. They, they just can't do it. But now you could, could potentially screw yourself. You might be locked into that loan. You might not be able to refinance. The markets change, all these different things. Okay. So Will did exactly what was right. He looked at that and said, look, I, I might save an additional $500. But the, the guarantees of the federal loans and the flexibility of those loans in case something happens to me, I rather the, the benefit I get from that is up here. The $500 extra benefit is down here. I'm sticking to my federal loans. Um, I know we see that scenario at least once every two or three days where it's just somebody's paying it off so fast. It doesn't make sense. Okay. So if you're watching this, that's a great example of managing your risk and your return will be there. Okay. So Will, I mean, some awesome, awesome, awesome stuff about just the way to think about that mindset of the 6% going out the door to your lender, the mental health side of things, you know, the grind of saying, look, I'm going to pay this thing off. I'm a little disappointed that you're still not working 60 hours a week, but <laughs> uh, it's all right. You got your, you got your first goal done, so enjoy yourself. Um, and a really good lesson about when not to refinance you know, put yourself into that private loan and lose flexibility with your finances. Uh, so with that, um, again, thanks Will for coming on. Any last things that you want to add, anything that I might've forgotten, any tips? And I, I do have one more question I'm going to ask, but just anything else before I ask the, the last question? Not that I can think of. I'd like to think that, um, you know, I was in school, I, when I was in school, loans was tough. I mean, I meant like I couldn't swallow the whole thing thinking I'd be paying it back for forever. There were times where myself, you know, my roommates, my girlfriend, we were all were like down in the dumps um, and we just didn't see the big picture. And you don't until you actually start making money and have opportunities that you didn't see coming arise. Um, if I could give any advice to someone who's in school and watching this, it'd be don't work yourself up over it. Um, they, they seem massive. They seem insurmountable. But the truth of it is, is like you have the power. It's just whether you, you just need to work hard. That's all it is. And I mean, if you're in PT school, you're already working hard. Yep. It's just continuing it. It's still working 60 hours, but getting paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I, I, looking back, I like to think that my loan provider, who I was with through undergrad and grad, is a little pissed that didn't make more money off me. Yeah. And it's, it feels good. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, so one last one, maybe two questions. We see a lot of times, this stuff is hard to do by yourself, right? And you like, you brought up your, your girlfriend and your friends you know, who was it? Did you have somebody there that was motivating you? Because oftentimes we see people going down this path and their friends are doing everything else. So they start going, drifting away from the path that they set for themselves because they want to do everything with their friends and their friends are doing something different and spending their money and blowing it. Was there anybody or anything that, that helped you stay on that path that encouraged you to keep staying on that path? Um, you know, as, I wouldn't say encourage as far as I think 
my mom was, I mean, she's a huge role model of mine. Um, she works so hard and um, supports the family and has always worked hard and has had an incredible work ethic while maintaining this positive outlook on life. And uh, I really, I take after her for sure. Um, and, you know, she's always showed me that you need to work hard, but you can also play hard as well. Mm-hmm. and trying to find that balance of while you feel like you're working yourself into the ground at times, finding things in life that, you know, you find joy in. Um, I'm in a couple club hockey leagues locally, I golf with my friends, and, and having those things set up and, and scheduled keeps you motivated to, to keep your head down so that there's something to look forward to. Um, no one looks forward to going home and scrolling through Instagram for two hours I and mean, having something to, to look forward to having something to keep you driven is, has been the biggest thing for me, whether it's sports, live music, um, just hanging out with friends, something, something on the books keeps you going. Yeah. Speaking of keeping you going, I do have one last question because off of what you're saying off of that, now that you do have the loans paid off financially, you know, what's motivating you there? What, what's next? Um, so a couple of things that I've done is um, I've maxed out 401k through my company, um, looking into some investments. And uh, my friend Kyle Ferrioli has given me some good advice on where to put my money and, and how to set myself up for the future. So good stuff. That's the most exciting stuff. Now that you're making it, you get to keep it and go and enjoy it. So, well, Thank you, you know, for taking the time out of your night and going through this. Again, the whole point of these interviews is to help motivate other people, give them ideas, let it be from motivation to jobs, everything. You did an awesome job. We appreciate it. And uh, thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. So let me go ahead and...